Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is to you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. All right, welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm your co-host, Andre Howe. Man, and we're excited, man, to have another special guest on to join us this uh, for this podcast. I'm, I'm sure the viewers and the listeners are going to be so ecstatic just to kind of hear a little bit about his insight, his story. He's a Cleveland native, D3 Offensive Player of the Year, D3 National Champ, fourth-round fourth draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Highest draft pick in uh, Mount Union's history. Uh, father of seven. Welcome to the podcast, Cecil, Cecil Shorts. Hey, I appreciate the introduction, man. I need you to come around here and talk to me. <laughs> you got to feeling good. What's up with y'all, man? Appreciate y'all having me on today. Thank you, for sure. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you, man. Just a little bit about the podcast, man. We really, um, the title being What's the Hype, we really like to go beyond the hype of you know, a professional athlete, so just a sport industry, just to kind of help young people excel, give them a little bit more of an understanding of what, you know, what it's really like to kind of make it to that level. So um, before we kind of dive in, man, definitely, first of all, again, like I mentioned, a father of seven, man, um, I, I, you know, including triplets, I just got to ask, man, like, how was that, getting that news when they told y'all y'all were expecting three? Just, I just want to know. Well, listen, it was a whole process because we have four already. I call them my big four. Um, Cecil, the fourth. Peyton, that's my girl. Montana, that's my – so I got two boys, Cecil and Montana, and then Peyton and Harper, my two girls. And it's perfect. Boy, girl, boy, girl. And uh, my wife was like, okay, let's try for one more. I'm like, nah, we good. It's two and two. You got two, I got two. And we can take you know, one boy, one girl, or both boys, or both girls, whatever you want to do. We can mix it up. And um, – she was like, no, nah, let's try for one more. So we tried for one more. And the doctor was like, okay, you guys are pregnant. I'm like, okay, cool. Two weeks later, I'm like on a man's trip down in Miami. And they're like, hey, we're having twins. So I'm like, twins? All right, cool. You can get one at night. I can get one at night. We can just rotate. You know, she'll breastfeed, do whatever you got to do. Boom, boom, boom. Two weeks later, we go back for like the in-depth ultrasound. And they're like, yeah, y'all having triplets. I'm like... My knees got weak. I had to walk out and pray. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm like, I don't know. And they're all girls. So it went from having two boys and two girls to five girls and two boys. Holy cow. Uh-huh. So it, it changed uh, very quick, man. But uh, they're healthy. They're doing well. Uh, they definitely love their daddy, and I love them. So it's, it's going well this far. How are you and your family doing with the coronavirus? Y'all good with that? Yeah, so um, the kids are fine. Um, it was tough being, I'm going to call it, trapped in the house uh, for that amount of time, having all these kids and uh, not really having any help. We don't have any family down here. So it's just me and my wife for the most part. So when it comes to um, a regular day, we have our nanny or a babysitter available. But of course, during Corona, during the, the you know the, the quarantine, it's like it's just us. So we were trying to figure out everything with um, with her doing her work and having Zoom meetings and meeting my stuff and doing Zoom meetings. 
and trying to feed them throughout the day and get on schedule. And it was no school, and then they had school for a little bit. So it was, it was a lot going into it, um, but we made it through. And, and we're, we're thankful right now at this point to be able to move around a little bit. It's like you don't know what you miss until you can't do certain stuff. Absolutely. You, you don't know how much it means to you until you can't do certain stuff. And, um, you know, me trying to be a teacher for that small period of time, like, nah, this ain't it. This, <laughs> I, I don't know third grade math. I, <laughs> I was out here struggling doing certain stuff, but it, it was cool, man. We Everybody's healthy, um, so we're all right. Listen, man, I got to commend you on that, first of all, because, I mean, I, I, my wife and I, we have one. He's two and a half right now. And, you know, just balancing that with, you know, between her work, my work, and we're doing things um that's a lot so i can't even imagine seven it's like you basically had a small classroom man you got i mean man i want to commend you and your wife on that because that's that's not easy man so um i want to start by i want to mention this before we kind of dive into man um so you you know i don't know if anybody have ever told you this but you know when i came into the league in 2016 with my my first year i was a i was an intern and coming in with the texans you was down familiar with you because I'm a, I'm a Florida guy. Um, I uh, went to college and played at Bethune-Cookman. So, you know, playing in Jacksonville where Rasheen Mathis and being close to Jacksonville, I'll, you know, I kind of pay paid close attention to Jacksonville, so I was very familiar with you. But walking into a locker room as an intern, first year into the NFL, uh, you know, you, you just kind of don't know what to expect. But I one thing that I remember was that just the, the guy – remember you kind of going out of your way just to speak and to just, you know what I mean? Just anytime you see me, you said, hello, ask me how I was doing. And that just kind of really stood out to me. Um, just kind of navigating that water, you know what I mean? Coming in and just trying to find your place early on. And you know, you know, I've been, I've been I was in the sport industry already, uh, a former athlete myself. So I knew how to adjust in a locker room. But again, when you're talking about coming into a professional locker room, the one thing that stood out to me was that. And although you, you know, you weren't there much longer after that, but I just never forget that. So I just wanted to, man, definitely commend you on that because you never know, you know, what you do or what you say to somebody, how much of an impact they can have. So I wanted to. Um, well, number one, you stood out. You don't see that many people like us around around buildings. You know what I mean? So when you do, I try to make sure I go out my way and say, you know, hello or encourage or the case may be. But I heard Shaq say this one time, like, and Shaq is way bigger than I ever was, right? But I took it to heart. He was talking about, you know, every time he meets somebody, that might be the only time they meet him. And that's going to be the only time they remember him. That might be the only opportunity they have. This, this is my only memory of Shaq. So he says, every time they think of me, when I meet, when they, every time they think of me after we meet, I want that to be a, a memorable moment for them. Wow. Right? So I take that to heart. Like, okay, every time I meet somebody, even if it's in, 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 in you know, in passing, Make sure I'm nice to him. Make sure I'm saying hello. Make sure I'm trying to check up on him, whatever the case may be. So, um, no, I, I appreciate that. But that's something I took from Shaq, man. He, he does a great job of – he did a great job of articulating that. I kind of took that to heart. Absolutely. And like I said, we just – you know, just kind of being in that space, you know, certain times, you know, interns are treated in certain kinds of way. You know, it just, it just was that whole dynamic. So, I just really appreciated that and wanted to make sure that, you know, I make you aware of that, man. So, I definitely – Definitely wanted to acknowledge that. But um, just as we dive right into it, right, we like to just start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, your family, what it was like growing up there. Man, Cleveland, Ohio. Born and raised. Um, so I was born in Cleveland. My dad from Cleveland. My mom from Elyria, Ohio, about 45 minutes away from Cleveland. Um, so I was born there. We actually moved to Kent, Ohio, where my dad was a 
on-campus minister. My mom was a nurse. My dad was finishing up school. Uh, so we lived there up until like from my kindergarten to like the end of third grade. Then we moved back to Cleveland um, to help with my grandfather. So my grandfather was a professional boxer growing up. And he had dementia from being a professional boxer. Uh, so dementia is, you know, basically this memory loss, not remembering what's going on. And people were taking full advantage of it. It was everything from prostitutes in the house to family, family members taking advantage of it money-wise. So my dad was like, yo, we got to move back and, and make sure he's good. Um, so I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, like I said, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And the way my parents kept us out of trouble, we live right in what they call the hood or the inner city or whatever. He kept us in in church and school and sports. When I mean sports, we play sports year round. So whatever sport was up that sing, that season, that's what we played. So if it was football season, it was football. Then it was basketball. Then it was track. And then it was baseball. And year round, we were just busy doing something. Um, so that was his way to keep us, you know, out the streets and out. You know, if we we were too tired to do anything else. Um, and then my mom was really focused on the school part, like yeah, make sure you're taking care of. Uh, you know, your grades and everything and stuff around the house. So it was interesting. My dad was a football coach um, for the past 23 plus years in the, at the high school level, uh, head coach for about 15, 16 years. Um, my mom was a, was a homemaker, but she was a nurse. Now she's back nursing. Um, like I said, I'm the oldest of six. So my youngest brother is a senior in high school right now. So he's 17, just turned 17. He's a, he's a quarterback. I had a school, uh, Brush High School in um, South Euclid, Ohio. And um, I'm hoping they have a season so, you know, he can get some somewhere to go play football. He wants to play college ball so he can get the opportunity to play that ball um, or get to play college ball himself. But, um, yeah, so my dad's my high school coach at Collinwood High School. So y'all probably heard of Glenville High School. It's, that's – it's real popular in, in America. That's where Ted Gein went, Joyce Smith went, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, he went there. Tons of athletes in the NFL and around. Uh, Frank uh, Clark, he was in there for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs. He went to Glenville. So my dad was coaching there for a long time. He went to that school, coached there for a long time, was an assistant, and then got a head coaching job right down the street um, at the rival, Collinwood High School. So my dad was my high school coach at the rival growing up. So we had our battles. We had our personal battles where it was like, I didn't know how to take construct constructive criticism from him until I was like my going to my senior year. Because I always thought he was coming down on me harder than everybody else. I'm like, yo, that ain't fair. Like, why are you treating me different than, than so-and-so? Why are you treating me different than so-and-so? Um, so that was a battle in itself. Um, and some things happened that I'm not proud of as far as I had a blow up on the field my junior year. I'll never forget. I kind of went off on him just out of frustration. I wasn't playing well. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with him. But my frustration, and I took it out on him and said some things I shouldn't have. I ended up getting beat down like a uh <laughs> <laughs> listen, I ain't never had a worse woman. <laughs> listen, I ain't never. I'm a junior in high school. And he was beating me up like I was a grown man, <laughs> but but I crossed that line. Yeah, yeah. So when you cross that line, that's that's something you gotta get dealt with, right? That's how you gotta get dealt with. So uh, that's something that uh, you know we handled, and uh, you know, thank God he's forgiven me from that. But uh, yeah, man. So he was driving me around all across the Midwest my senior year, trying to get noticed by this school and that school and this school and that school. So I had a few. Uh, Mac 
opportunities coming out uh, or looks coming out of high school. I'm sorry, come out of my senior year. And um, so like Akron, Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, no big schools, but Akron, Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, Youngstown State, those schools were pretty high on me during the season. And then once December hit, it was ghost town. I ain't heard from nobody. I ain't seen it from nobody. I get a call from Akron like in January, like, hey, we want you to walk on. No, I get a call from Youngstown State. They're like, hey, we want you to walk on. And I'm like, nah, I'm about to go. You know, I'm about to go, you know, I'll get a D1 offer somewhere. So I'm like, thank you for the opportunity. I ain't going to do it. I ain't heard from Akron. Eastern Michigan about to offer. Their whole staff got fired. Buffalo about to offer. Their whole staff got fired. And the new staff ain't want nothing to do with it. Um, so that was a battle in itself. I'm kind of rambling. I'm sorry. That's a battle in itself. Um, because everybody around you in the city at that point in time, they're getting their offers. They're going here. They're going there. And I'm like, yo, I'm one of the prominent athletes in the city. I'm, you know, I'm always naming the paper, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not getting the same attention they are. So that was a, that was a battle in itself as well. Um, but long story short, you know, going to Mount Union, man. So gotcha. my little background. Uh, when did you first start playing sports? Uh, which sports did you play? And who invited you earlier on? Early, early on? Uh, I guess I started playing sports when I was five, six years old. Not football, it was track. So my dad had me on the track. Uh, my dad, like, a, he's a fanatic when it comes to sports. You can name a name from 1962, and he'll know the team that dude played for, the biggest play he had. He'll know everything. That's just how he was. Um, and uh, he kept, like I said, that was his way to keep us out of trouble. So I started running track when I was five, six years old, playing football when I was, like, six, seven years old. And it just rotated by the sports. He, it was a guy when I was growing up called Charlie Ward, who uh, was a quarterback at Florida State. And he was a three-sport athlete at Florida State as far as baseball, basketball, and football, being drafted by the New York Knicks after winning the Heisman Trophy for Florida State. So he was like, you know, I'm going to groom my oldest son to be similar to Charlie Ward. So that was his goal with me is to make sure I'm well-rounded and uh, just to, like I said, keep me out of trouble. But in his mindset, each sport complements each other. Yeah, yeah. So whether you're playing baseball, you're getting a ground ball, or you're playing basketball and defense, you got to slide, it's kind of the same thing. You yeah, I mean, if you're catching a low ball in football, that's the same as getting a your, your hand position is the same as getting a ground ball in baseball. Um, being able to check a ball as a receiver on a deep ball, that's the same being able to check a ball um, in center field if you're, you know, catching a pop-up. So. His thing is like all, all this stuff correlates. You being able to run and track, that's going to translate in everything that we do. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You, you're you not going to get tired as much. You might not be as good as some of the other kids, but what stood out, and that's crazy, we were just talking about this the other day, what stood out about me is I never got tired, so I was able to do more. Yeah. So yep. that's, you know, and the coach is watching, it's like, yo, he can run. I, I can find a place for him. You know what I mean? He can press, he can do whatever. So that was, that was the biggest thing. But yeah, I started when I was early, man, six, five, six years old. I like to talk about that. And um, as far as being from Miami and South Florida, uh, track was always a part of Yeah, 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 Miami, man. So uh, track is a part of our sporting uh, fabric. Like, you, you, no matter what sport you play, but football, obviously, but um, 
track was a mandatory. So our football coaches were our track coaches, right? So it went hand in hand. So it surprised me sometimes when I just hear guys, some guys may have only played one sport or just, you know, but, you know, and, and you know, in South Carolina, got a lot of talented guys. I talked to, um, I remember having a conversation with Hopkins and he was just like, man, we, I never ran track. I just played basketball and football. Um, but, yeah. but, but being, you know, as a football player in South Florida, man, track goes hand in hand. That's why I guess so many of those speed guys come out of South Florida, man. But it's, it's interesting <laughs> it's too, minute. like nowadays, guys are sticking with one sport year round. So like guys that play baseball year round or the guys that play football year round. Guys, I was hearing last year, they were debating if they should play seven on seven or run track. I'm like, listen, I've been around guys that were seven on seven all-stars and they put them pads on. They <laughs> wasn't nowhere to be found, you know what I mean? For me, I think it's best to be, you know, all around as best you can, but that's, that's the mindset. Now basketball year round, I mean, it's it's crazy. Now, basketball is a little different, though, because, like, you can be NBA ready at 17, 18 years old. That's true. I mean, you can be a first-round pick at 17, 18 years old. That's true. Whether I think in, in other sports, it's, it's more difficult to be ready at that, at that young. So basketball, if you've got it, you probably should play a lot more than what, you know, uh, the average kid plays. But I, it, it's just different different times, man. Right. And, and you mentioned it being from Cleveland, right, and during that time, too, also, I mean – um, you know, growing up doing that, we're around that time when LeBron was kind of emerging. What was, what, what, what were you kind of, what was happening in the city with, with, with a guy like that while, while, you know, coming up in sports? What, what was it, what was it like? So I think I was a freshman, like his senior year or a sophomore, his senior year. I can't remember. So what's crazy is LeBron was the number one player in high school, obviously in the state, right? Number one player, whatever. He's a goat to me, by the way. If y'all want to argue, here. Nope. goat to me. But um, and I am biased. I don't care. <laughs> he was the number one player in the state in Ohio. At my school, we had the number two player in the state. His name was Swanee Cooper. So we like, yo, Swanee, and the, it was such a big difference between LeBron and Swanee. Like we watched Swanee play every day at practice. He was a beast. He was unreal. First time I ever seen anybody do a three sixty between the legs. It was Swanee Cooper. And then we went to, I think my dad drove us to watch LeBron play. Now, listen, LeBron is like selling out Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers at this time were terrible. <laughs> and they used to give tickets out at the high schools and middle schools, like this vouchers. Hey, here go a ticket, here go a ticket, here go a ticket. So we used to get like 10 tickets, take the vouchers up to the school. I'm going to take the vouchers and go to the game. They give us tickets for free, and we go in and watch the other team. So Al Iverson came to town, we want to we watch Iverson, you know what I mean, whoever was there. But LeBron would play. They would have to put LeBron's games in the Cleveland Cavaliers arena because how many people were coming? Hey. He had to play at University of Akron because how many people were coming to watch him? It was unbelievable. And this was in high school, man. Um, he's from Akron, but it's only like 45 minutes away from Cleveland. So we tried as best we can to go to any game he could. But it was sold out everywhere. It was like, it was legit. I'm, I don't know who to compare it to today. Um, it was like, <laughs> it was amazing when he was in school and the stuff he was able to do, man, it was, it was ever. And to me, he's the only athlete that I've seen in my 32 years of living that lived up to every expectation. Hands down. Like every single expectation. Number one overall draft pick. Um, from day one, that first game against Sacramento, he lived up to every single expectation that came his way. Um, championships are won. Um, came back to Cleveland, left Cleveland, and came back and got us a championship. Like, to me, he's a he'll forever be a living legend. Not even on the court, the stuff he's doing off the court. You know what I mean? Like how he 
this is the biggest thing for me because there's tons of stuff he's doing off the court, right? But how he's who he surround himself with. The boys he went to same been the same Mary High School. With. The boys he met in high school. Those guys. Hey, go get your degree. Hey, go take care of this. Go get you know. Go go get your internship here or go go take care of yourself there. You get you get your resume built up, and then I'm gonna surround you with me. We all gonna make money together. Unbelievable. You get your resume right. You, you take care of your degree. You you do this. I'll find a job for you. We all gonna make money together. Yeah. Like that's ideally, ideally how to me it's like the perfect setup. Like if you and if you're in that position coming out, any guy coming out, I would look. I would like, hey, go look at LeBron how he did things. That's that's how it was. And, and, like, and, and, and I'm crazy. with you on that. I'm, I'm with you on that as far as go. Like this is my conversation because I seen you know again a guy coming in out of high school. You know even you know you talk about the Jordans and you know Kobe of course high school, but Kobe didn't have to start right away. Jordan went to college and had the opportunity to develop. Like this guy came in at you know straight out of high school and withstood the pressure, never been in trouble off the court, right? And then been able to make the impact off the court as much. I mean, it's just, again, I just appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. That's that's my guy. I, you know what I'm saying? That, I, I can argue about him all day because, you know, of course you got the Jordans and the Kobe guys, but 100% hands down, LeBron is my guy. Like, I just, I respect that. And kind of being in this space, understanding how easily guys can get in trouble, how easily guys can lose it all. Like, just for him to be doing this 20 years in, almost 20 years in, man, that's, you know, nothing but respect, man. So, um, but let's kind of dive back out. You, you, you mentioned a little bit about you going to uh, – you decided that – you decided to go to Mount Union. What was the biggest adjustment coming from high school uh, to stepping in on that college campus at Mount Union? You know, it was it was different. So, Mount Union, for those that don't know, is a Division three school. Division three school does not give athletic scholarships. Um, but – if you know anything about Division Three, Mount Union is the Alabama, the Clemson, the Ohio State of Division Three football. Um, so we were in the national championship. I think we won 13 total national championships. Um, at one point in time, we won like 60 games straight. Um, we got 23, 24 national, I mean, uh, conference titles. Every year I was in school, I was in school five years. Every year we went to national championship, undefeated regular season. Made it all the way to the ship. That was the only game on TV. But one thing I had to realize is I had to humble myself. And I think at all levels you got to do this, right? Because you're getting recruited, you're feeling good about yourself. It's like, you know, they, so they say they need you, they want you here to help with the program. Truth be told, they won games without you. Yeah. Truth be told, everybody that's coming in was all city or all conference or all state or all this. So as a freshman, I really had to humble myself. Like, I had to be like, yo, I'm, I'm thinking I'm at a D3 school. I don't belong here. Boom, boom, boom. I'm about to kill these dudes. It's some boys that can play. And I'm like, for a while, I'm like, why is this guy starting quarterback? I was a quarterback my whole life. Like, why? I should be starting quarterback. I'm better than him. Well, they're like, there's no reason for the, to replace him. He just wanted D3 Heisman. Yeah, your arm might be stronger. You might be faster. But he doesn't make a mistake. He's, he's that good. We used to go to the line of scrimmage. Um, and we'll call it formation like, hey, doubles right, doubles right, check with Greg. So Greg, our quarterback, will call the play from the line of scrimmage based on whatever he sees. So it'll make it easy on the, co on the coaching staff, like, yo, why we got to replace him? It, it doesn't make sense. So I had to humble myself, like, all right, you know, they won championships without you. They won games without you. Yes, you can contribute. You can help. They want you to do that. But you got to make sure that you humble yourself and fall in line. And I think that's difficult for a lot of guys. Coming to Mount Union, you're going to 
you're going to be one of 150, possibly 200 freshmen coming in. Um, and that's every year. So, and I tell you what, out of those 150, 200, how many that stick it out the whole year? Now we got a JV season and we got three JV teams. Um, it's purple team, white team, black team, and then they'll move you around based on your performance. Um, but it's like, it's, it's so humbling because you go from varsity football at, you play the highest level at your particular high school. Like I said, you're getting all these awards, your team captain, and now you're starting all the way over. And it's like, who can humble themselves and not only take care of school, but be on scout team and continue to get better and fall in line. So when your time does come for you to step up and play on varsity, you're ready to go. And it's hard, man. It's hard to get looked at. It's hard. To, sometimes you weren't getting reps. It's 150 guys out there. Three teams. So it's just, it's just difficult, man. So I guess the biggest thing for me is, is humbling myself. And then the speed of the game was, was a little tough at first. Um, just because it's different, it's older guys. I can't imagine what the speed of the game was like for, for, for y'all. Y'all played at a higher level than me, so it probably was a lot faster. <laughs> um, but I think just humbling myself, man, that was that was one of the biggest things. Yeah. Talk about the team success and your individual success during this time. Who was some of the, who was some of your teammates that we may know? I guess the biggest teammate I played with, y'all know, was probably Pierre Garzon. Um, he was drafted by the Colts in the sixth round in 2000. He over, I don't know, 2008, I think. <laughs> um, and he was the one, I'll be honest with you, the only reason I got looked at, in my opinion, or I got drafted was because of Pierre. I always give the credit to him, um, simply because he brought attention to the school in a way that we weren't getting attention before. When he was in school, he was unstoppable. Unbelievable blocker. One, the Odell catch, I saw all that, and, and Pierre was doing all that in, in college. Couldn't be stopped, literally. One, he catch anything, it might go to the house. He, he looked like he didn't belong. He, he dominated. And um, that's something my dad always told me. He was like, listen, the NFL will find you, but you can't just be good. You got to dominate your level. Sure. You got to prove you don't belong. So you go to a Division three school. You go to a D2 school. You can't just be good because there's guys that just are good at, you know, in the SEC that will get looked at way before you because they're playing at a higher level. You got to dominate. You got to prove each and every week you didn't belong. And that's what Pierre did. Each and every week he proved he didn't belong. So he got drafted in the sixth round, I think, 2008. When he got drafted by the Colts, I'm like, whoa, you can get drafted from D3? I'm like, wait a second. So that was my – he got drafted my red shirt freshman year. So for me, I went like, I went like go mode. Like if he can get drafted, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm just, I'm just gonna try. So um, he started playing well. His rookie year, he, he had about three or four catches. His second year, he took off. He ended up playing in the Super Bowl, had like 800 some yards, playing with Peyton Manning, um, had six or seven touchdowns that year. And that's like, yo, where's guy come from? Mm -hmm. Now. right. We were like, okay, let's go back to his school and see what's going on there. Very thankful for him. I happen to be doing very well. I happen to be doing very well. My first year starting at receiver is my redshirt sophomore year, um, 1,700-plus yards, or 1,400-plus yards. The next year, 1,700-plus yards. The next year, over 1,000. It's just I was doing really well, and but Pierre was balling at that level. So his attention and me – like I said, trying to prove that I don't belong really helped me get on the map. What's up, Hype family? 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You know what I mean? That, that makes it looks like the perfect storm, right? Cause, it, cause, because you keep hearing the university name while he's performing. And, and to mention, man, the, the numbers you put up is crazy. I played receiver in college, man. And I played in an option type offense. So to see these type of numbers, man, is like a receiver dream. And I mean, over 4,700 career yards, over 63, about 63 touchdowns. Man, the numbers are crazy. Like, and, and like you said, you played quarterback most of your career. So to, to see these numbers, it's just almost like, how, first of all, how was that transition going from quarterback to receiver for you? It was tough. So I knew where I needed to be, right, as a quarterback. I know I like, so if I drop back and I got a dig route versus cover two, I know where he needs to be. I knew where I needs to be, right? But it's about how to get there. <laughs> it was like, how do you beat the press? <laughs> how do you beat man coverage? Like, how do you, you know, run your speed cuts or a power cut at the top or the angle cut, whatever the case may be. So for me, I had to learn how to run routes from scratch. So it was times my red shirt freshman year, I'm getting like jammed at the line, just <laughs> killing me. But I needed to go through that to learn, you know what I mean, how to move forward and how to, you know, basically be a receiver. So my redshirt freshman year, I was the sixth receiver with five seniors in front of me, and that was Pierre's senior year. So I got a chance to watch all those guys take my lumps. You know, I, I played a little bit, but I, I took a lot of lumps in practice, a lot of lumps in the games. Um, I'll never forget my very first pass in a game. It was Pierre's senior year. I ran a five-yard out. Nobody over there, right? Everybody focused on Pierre. Me, Pierre, on this side, he ran the post. Safety in corner, went with the post. I'm wide open. The ball goes straight through my hands like this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> hey, hey, what am I going to do? Oh. The very next play, coach, coach had me on a read route, which is just a – y'all know, y'all know smash. Hitch outside. It's either a corner or a post based on the coverage. So it was too high safety, so I, I took the post. He dropped back, threw it to me, next play, touchdown. And I'm like, if it wasn't for him trusting me that the very next play – I don't know what would happen because it was so hard for me to make that transition because I still thought I was better than the quarterback at hand. <laughs> I didn't want to move. I didn't want to transition to receiver, but I knew that was the best way for me to get on the field. Um, I was an All-American in track my freshman year. Um, so they were like, hey, the best way you to play is play receiver. And I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's just try it. And I was upset and it was tough. So just learning how to run routes, being behind those five seniors, watching how they attacked the game. Um, how smart they were, how to watch film, how to prepare, really helped me for my my next three years coming up. So, so with that being said, when was all right? So, when did you realize uh, that okay, I got a legitimate chance? I know you had you see Pierre, you was able to kind of, but what was it for you? Or what moment? What, what was the moment for you to say, okay, I really can probably do this thing at the next level? Uh, it was two things. Like my junior year, it started getting real easy. I'm like. I might go, it might it might sound arrogant, it might sound whatever, but I, if I didn't get two touchdowns and 100 yards a game, I was upset. Wow. I'm like, yo, I got to eat. Like, this is it. My dad said I got to dominate. So if I don't get two touchdowns and 100 yards, 
best believe that next game I'm going for, I'm trying to get two, 200 yards. You know what I mean? I was just that confident. It, it was that easy for me. Now we had a very good team too. Don't get to us. We were, we were, like I said, the Clemson, Alabama's, the Ohio State of Division Three. So we were always loaded. Um, but that, that was it, man. I had to, I had to perform. And, um, It was man, I'm sorry. I get a little flashbacks. It was it was times where it's I'm in the dorm room and I'm like, you know, this is a dream, right? This is a dream. You we'll we'll play our game on Saturday afternoon and we'll go home and we'll watch Cam Newton on TV and we're rooting for whoever's on TV. You know what I mean? So like Division Three is like I don't know, I don't know how to put it. It was just like you know you're still supporting and and so you're still fans of the Division One. Right. So for me, it didn't hit me until my senior year when agents started blowing me up. And then I come to school one day and it's like four scouts that practice to see me. Mm. And I'm like, is this, this in the spring? And I'm like, wait, what? So it was, it was to the point where it was, and like I said, this time again, Pierre was balling. He was doing his thing with Peyton Manning and those guys. And then anything y'all know, y'all been around long, long enough. It's a, it's a copycat league. It's a copycat league. Mm-hmm. So if they find success on one side or doing one thing, they're going to try to go back to the well again. Right. Um, so my senior year, it was tons of agents, tons of scouts at practice from spring all the way to the end of the season. So that's when I realized, I guess, this summer of my senior year, like, okay, this 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 is about to go down. How was your pre-draft uh, experience? How was your combine? How was your draft business? Where do you think you would go? Man, I didn't. So Jacksonville drafted me. But for whatever reason, I thought I was going to Baltimore or the Cowboys. Mm. The, but if I if I when I after the fact, I sat down and thought about it, like I met with Jacksonville everywhere I went. Like they, like I was I met them at the East West All Star Game. I met with them at the Combine. Um, I didn't take no visit there, but they they were calling me often. Like they were always in the hunt. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like Dallas and Baltimore were more interested at that point in time. So for me, it was I was thinking those two. And Dallas was like, listen, we're going to draft either in the first round a receiver or the fourth round. So I remember going to visit with a guy named Jonathan Baldwin, who's a receiver from Pittsburgh, who was like 6'6", six, six, yes. big old dude. He ended up going first round in Kansas City. Um, and he ended up – so once he went to Kansas City and the Cowboys didn't draft him in the first round, I'm like, oh, okay, well, the Cowboys may be in the hunt. Like, that, that's pretty cool. Um, but – the process, the combine, and going back a little bit, like I remember, I think I told y'all, we'll play our game and then we'll go watch, you know, we'll watch, we'll go watch Dre and them play. <laughs> like we we watching the big games on TV, right? So when I went to the combine, I trained out in California, which was dope. Um, Cause I never, I never been on the plane before. So I got to fly on the plane for the first time, go out there and train. And then from there, go to the combine. And then I'm there with 2011. It's like Cam Newton, Julio Jones, AJ Green, Randall Cobb, you know, just tons of guys. JJ Watt. It was a damn. We got a good class. We had a dope class. I think our class. What, what, what was your year, Dre? What year was y'all? Oh, 14. Oh, y'all had a good class too. It was decent. Yeah. Y'all had a good class too. But yeah, so we at the combine. I had to check myself because I'm like. Snap, that's Cam Newton. <laughs> I dapped him up. I'm like, like, I know him. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, that's Julio. I'm like, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. Then I had to check myself like, you belong here. You're here for a reason. Like, you're not here to be a fan. 
you're here for a reason. So I had a decent combo. I didn't run like I wanted to. I probably put on too much weight. So that that part was frustrating. But as far as like the little skill stuff, um, you know, they got the cone drills and all the 60-yard shuttle and all this type of stuff. I killed that stuff. On-field catching, I murdered the routes and everything. I just did not run the 40 I wanted to. Um, but also it was a reality check too. Like I can run by a D3 guy, no doubt about it. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm 4'3", because I'm faster than everybody at D3. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that ain't the case. I, I learned that real quick. I'm like, you a, I'm, I'm a 4'5 guy. I'll I, I just stay with that. I'm, 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 I'm happy with my 4'5". <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so I had to check myself at the combine, man. Pro day, I ran a better 40 at the pro day. Um, at, that was at my school too, which is rare. Normally, D three guys don't really host pro days. I, I host my own pro day, which is pretty cool. Only a few teams came, but that was dope. But draft day was something like, we all, I'm always optimistic. So I'm always hoping for the best. So my dad had this big clipboard, and I guess he ranked himself all the receivers in the whole draft, right? So I was I was ranked probably between 25 and 35 somewhere in there. So he would, you know, put me down there. But he had, like, Julio Jones and A.J. Green and, like, Titus Young from Boise State and all these type of guys, right? So he was like, every time they get drafted, boom, I'm scratching them off. Because the more receivers get drafted early, the higher you get to go. Right. right. I'm like, you got it, Dad. That's how I go. I'm like, you, he on it. He's on top of it. But the first night, first round, I wasn't expecting to go first round. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Second round, the second night was second and third round back then. So I'm like, I had a little hope for the third round. Like, if a lot of receivers go, I got an outside chance of hopping in that back of the third round. Right. Nothing happened. Long story short, not, not, not a lot of receivers went. Um, a few went. Like, I think Torrey Smith went. Um, he had a really good career. And a few other guys went. A couple guys from, uh, I think, Titus Young went. When day three comes, I'm sorry, y'all. When day three comes, my agent calls me that morning at 11.45. The draft starts at 12 o'clock Eastern time. Called me 11.45, like, hey, we ain't getting a lot of love right now. Not a lot of attention coming your way. So we're probably going to slide around, you know, sixth, seventh round, possibly. Just be ready for it. So my heart kind of dropped. We were expecting the mid-round, between four and five, right? And for me, I'm just like, I just want to go as soon as possible. I just want to get it over with. Because you have no control over this. Like, it's like, you do everything you can, but then it's like, you have no control what they think, how they do, what team... The guys, they showing different hands. They not showing if they like you or not. So I'm like, oh, I'm sitting here frustrated. Next thing you know, I don't know, 25 minutes later, I get a call from Jacksonville, and it's like, oh, this is dope. This is crazy. So it was, it was an up and down experience, man. It's, it's, it's always that way. I feel like for everybody. Well, I can't say for everybody. For me, it was just up and down. I feel good at times. I'm like, dang, God, I'm, and I'm, I'm the hard. I'm my worst critic, right? So I'm, I get on myself hard. So like combine, I'm like, I made it to the combine, awesome. I didn't run a good for it. And that's kind of the, kind of a big thing for receivers, especially a small school guy. Can they run? Can they get open at the at the you know the best of the best against the best of the best? So um it was up and down, but ultimately, man, I, I got that on video. On a little DVD. It was it was a blessing, man. I oof, I'll never forget that day. I don't care how many concussions I had, I'll never forget that day. <laughs> <laughs> so after Jack selected you in the fourth round, what were your thoughts coming to the locker room? The likes of Jones, Drew, Greg Jones, or Sean Matthew, just to name a few players. Yeah, it was uh Yeah, it was weird. That year was the lockout year too. 
So like, it's not like you normally get drafted and I guess like a week or two, you come into the facility and you get to do everything. You get to be at the, you know, you get to tour the facility, you get used to the city, you get started on the playbook. I got drafted third day of the draft and then I didn't talk to my coaches again until I showed up at training camp. And we didn't know when. So I was actually working on roofs from the time I got drafted to the time I went to camp. I was working on roofs trying to make money. <laughs> um, so I had no mini camps, had no OTAs, had none of that off-season program stuff. So I'll work on roofs and then work out after that. And then at the time, my wife was pregnant as well. Um, so Dave Garrard was the quarterback that year. And actually, we drafted Blaine Gabbert in the first round that year. So I was talking to those two, and they were like, Dave was like, hey, we're going to shoot you and Blaine down for a seven-on-seven. Seven. Y'all going to hang out hang out with us for a week. I'm like, okay, that's dope. So I went down there. I got to meet Dave Garrard and Jones Drew. And they and they Mercedes, and they driving all this fancy stuff. I'm like, oh, this is right here. This is dope. Um, but it was, it was surreal, like, just to meet Jones Drew. Uh, he was a superstar, you know what I mean, at that point in time. I think that my rookie year, he led the league in Russia in 2011. Um, Dave Garrard, just knowing him, I always been a big supporter of black quarterbacks. So just knowing him and his success in the league coming from ECU, it was huge to be around him. Mercedes Lewis, Rasheem Mathis, legend, legend in that area, you know what I mean? He is somebody that probably the most fluid, most fluid athlete I've been around. And I was around him when he was older. He was just naturally skilled. And he was just a, I mean, he was probably a buck 60. <laughs> skinny, skinny dude, but he could play the game, man. And he was just one of the best athletes I've seen. I remember actually going down my rookie year with that seven on seven for a week. And Luke McCown, him, Luke and Josh McCown been around a long time. Um, so Luke McCown was in Jacksonville, the backup quarterback. And he was like, hey, y'all trying to play basketball. I'm like, yeah, let's go hoop. I got, I got a little, I got a little hoop game in me. So I'm like, let's go for a while. Let's go hoop. Um, Blaine came with us. Blaine is trash in basketball. That's everybody knows. <laughs> Everett is trash and bad. I love Blaine. We talk to this day, but he is trash in basketball. <laughs> um, but Luke McCown gets up there, and this guy be like Luke's ninth, tenth year in the league. He just jumps up and windmills. Boom! I'm like, whoa! Wow! Like, really? Jumps up again. <laughs> Boom, boom. I'm like, Luke, what, what? <laughs> but he won like, he was like Mr. Football in Texas his senior year, whatever it was. Like the McCowns are crazy, crazy athletes. So for me, I learned, don't judge, don't judge a book by his cover. I'm like, he's like, is this a regular old white dude? Man, <laughs> Luke had game. Like he, he could do it all. Um, so seeing those guys and meeting those guys, it was cool, but I, I learned quickly. They're just normal people. They're just like me. So coming from a D3 up there, I'm, I kind of had them on a pedestal. And then it, it took a while. But after a while, I'm like, they're just normal guys like me. They like the same stuff. Or, you know, we arguing about different silly stuff. So once I got used to that, things went, went smooth. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about your rookie season, right? So after the lockout, um, you know, things getting going in motion. So what was your welcome to the NFL moment, right? We like to ask, you know, on the field and then a little bit off the field, like maybe when you realize a little bit more about the business of the game. What was that What was that moment for you? Uh, I guess on the field, my welcome to the NFL moment, probably getting that playbook, man. 
Like, like I said, we had a lockout year. And then the first day we come in there, they give me a playbook, like five, six inches thick. Like, we got to learn this. I'm like, what? <laughs> Man, we're going to get time to prepare and practice the next day. I'm like, yo, what? Where do I start? It's like the Bible. I'm like, where do I start? Genesis? Where, like, where? <laughs> like, what, what's going on? So um, that probably that probably was the welcome to NFL moment for me. And then business-wise, I guess off the field, it was probably my third, no, my fourth year in Jacksonville when um, we were going through contract negotiations because I was trying to sign back in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And um, we were going through negotiations, and then all of a sudden it stopped. And they basically told me during the season, like, yo, we're not going to sign you back. Wow. Like, it's done. And I'm like, and that year, and it was, it was frustrating because I kept getting little soft tissue injuries, little soft tissue over and over and over again. And I'm like, beginning of the going into my fourth year, they're like, don't worry about it. We're going to sign you back. The GM came to me and told me, hey, we're going to sign you back. Don't worry about it. I know it's a lot of pressure. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to sign you back. We just got to find a number we both agree on. So a number in my mind was different than a number in their mind. Mm. And to me, I'm like, I don't want a lot. I'm not a superstar, but I, I want something. You feel me? You got to <laughs> give me some type of some type of stuff. So we, we disagreed on the number, so we're going through it. But I had... I think I got a soft tissue injury in OTAs my fourth year, a soft tissue injury the first day of, of, a, of practice for game one. So I missed three or four weeks, and I get another, I get another one playing when I came back. It was just one of the most frustrating years. And I just seen, like, basically millions of dollars leave uh, leave my hand. I never really touched my hand, but I just seen it leave. I and mean, that was, like, very, very frustrating. Yeah, I know. Business side, I, I I started started business. Okay. Yeah, so in your second season, you, you had you led the team in receiving. What do you contribute to that to, 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 to success? Well, my rookie year, I didn't know what I was doing. Actually, hey, fun fact: I got my first catch, my first ever catch, like week twelve against Jonathan Joseph. One of my two catches that year, he was mad too. He cussed me out. Run a real route. Anybody can run that route. Run a real route. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> but um, the success from my rookie year, and just think about this real quick, too. So my – I don't want to knock my receiver coach my, my rookie year, but he just wasn't ready to coach. He just wasn't ready to coach anybody. Like, he just wasn't he, – well, he shouldn't have been in that position. So my four years in Jacksonville, I had three three head coaches, three offensive coordinators, three or two receiver coaches, two owners, and two GMs. Jesus. So just tons of transition, right? And and you guys know you're not going to have a lot of winning when it comes – if you keep transitioning like that. Right. Um, so after Jack Del Rio got fired, going into my second year, they brought in Mike Malarkey. And brought in a whole new staff. And um, I'll never forget Jerry Sullivan, who was my wide receiver coach at the time. He wrote every – matter of fact, we had just paid Laurent Robinson. He had a really good year in Dallas the year before. So we paid, we gave him like 32 M's. Uh, we just paid Mike Thomas, who was already on the team. He caught a Hail Mary the year before um, against Houston. Um, 
and he they just paid him like 14, 15 million. So you know them two guys on the team. You give you pay you pay somebody a check, they're gonna be on the team. Just drafted Justin Blackman, number fifth overall pick. Baller. Those guys on the team. So we're sitting down in the meeting, and he writes the depth chart up there. He's writing, okay, we got Lamont Robinson, Justin Blackman, you'll be at the X, you'll be at the Z. We got so-and-so, we got, you know, uh, Jared Dillard, we got Chaston West, we got Ryan Robisky. We got he's writing all these guys' names down in different positions. They're like, all right, I'll see you guys on Monday. Be ready to go. I'm like, coach. Where, where do you want me at? He's like, oh, oh, my bad. I forgot about you. What are you on the depth chart? What on the list? Draft picked the year before. Second year, new staff and everything. I'm like, I'm the last on the depth chart. I am going to make this team. So for me, I had to buy into what his receiver coach was telling me. Now, I don't know if you guys know what Jerry is telling me. He's like the godfather of receivers. So he's coached all around the SEC. He was at LSU for a long time. He actually helped LSU the last three, four years. Um, he is just like a, a guru when it comes to route running. And he is really good friends with Anquan Bowden and Larry Fitzgerald. So for me, OTAs, minicamp, that was like regular season for me. So I had to learn what he was teaching, how he wanted, how he wanted certain routes to be ran, and do my best to run it that way. And I, I got obsessed with it. So I'm like, at home, I'm trying to run routes at home and do things that way. But I knew how to study at that point in time. A rookie year, I know how to study. So I'm just giving it my all. So after OTAs, he's like sort of impressed with me. I'm, I'm getting reps of practice. I'm making plays. And he's like, listen, I want you to go to Minnesota and train with Larry Fitzgerald. No, he, he ain't calling Fitzgerald. He said, go train with Larry. I'm like, oh, okay, coach. I'm like, no, nah, I, I got plans already. I'm like, who the hell is Larry? Like, why are you talking <laughs> Like, who is Larry? You're like, no, I don't think you understand. I want you to go train with Larry Fitzgerald in Minnesota. And Chris Carter would be there. And Jerry Rice would be there. And other people would be there. I'm like, whoa, yeah, yeah, when? I'm, I'm there. And going there changed my, my perspective on how I should work on and off the field, changed my perspective on how I, how I should be as a pro. Because when I went there, Larry Fitzgerald was working like he was an undrafted free agent trying to make the team. He was the first guy at workouts, the last guy to leave, the first guy to take care of his body, to hop in the Normatec boots or get a massage, or the first guy to drink his protein shake. He was doing everything the right way. And I'm just watching him, how he ran routes, how he carried himself. And I'm like, it's a, it's a reason why he's, this is year 17 for him. It's a reason why he's made millions and millions of me. It's a reason why he is who he is. Uh, so having that experience and being able to take that put some in my bag and go into the year with it really helped me um, for that season. I mean, I think that year I was only 21 yards away from a thousand and um, I didn't become a starter until week seven. I was a uh, number five or number six that year in the beginning of the year. Wow. And um, things happened where Laurent Robinson, who was our number one, and multiple concussions, and he kind of ended his career. It's kind of sad. He ended his career. He had three or four or five concussions that year, like in practice. And then one thing, it was just weird how things were going. And then, of course, we had Justin Blackman. Michael Thomas didn't really live up to his money. He kind of had some behavior stuff. And it was just like things just kept going my way. And then when I played, I made plays. Like, and they were kind of big plays. Um, I remember week one, I catch a, a go ball against – Minnesota with 30 seconds left in the game and put it up. I remember week three, um, 
catching the game winning touchdown against the Indianapolis Colts and running 60 yards. I'm, I'm running to save my life. I'm just back there. I'm going to the four, five, four, six. <laughs> but those situations, you know, when the ball came my way, I made the most out of those plays. But I credit that to my receiver coach, Jerry Sullivan, who had me fully prepared and then him putting me with Larry and learning and really grasping, okay, when opportunity comes, you got to make the most of it. So when week seven came, my first start um, in Oakland, it was it was amazing. Scored a touchdown, had my first hundred yard game. It was it was awesome. So a lot of credit goes to be honest, Jerry Sullivan and, and Larry Fitzgerald. I think it's important that especially younger guys that may be listening to this that they understand, like you know, uh, just the, the 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 benefit it is for being around guys and and learning how you know the ones who've been able to do it for a long time have been able to do that. So you know, being able to have those those nuggets, like you said, of those things to put in your bag to add to your to your transition and you know, your success, I think those things are just valuable and that, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, individuals listening to that can definitely take that in. Um, because it's just key, man, because you don't know really, the, the league is an animal itself. Like you just named guys that I haven't heard that I, I forgot about, right? Laurent Robinson. Laurent Robinson played one of my best friends in Atlanta, Eric Weems. So I knew about him and it's just, but again, Justin Blackman, these different guys, man, it's, it's so many different uh situations that happen that leads to someone's success and you just stand ready, keep working, and you know situations happen and you just being able to step up in that spot, man. So that's just how it goes. There's no guarantee of anything for anybody None. in the league. None. Like I I'm I'm from Ohio State. I'm from wherever. Like there's no guarantee. It's guys that 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 make that adjustment and they lock themselves in like a Dre uh Dre Howe that, you know what I'm saying, make their way and make their name. So um yep. definitely I, I I definitely uh appreciate you dropping that information man. So Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.